Hey everybody, I'm John Gould. And I'm Nagin Muscati, and this is This Real Estate Life, the official podcast of the Baird and Warner Lincoln Park office. We have so many amazing real estate agents in our office, each with their own unique gifts and personalities, and we really just wanted to create a podcast where you can celebrate those individuals and learn a little bit about real estate along the way. Yeah, so whether you're a real estate agent yourself or just curious to learn more about what we do every day, this is the podcast for you. So thanks for joining us and we hope you love the journey. Woohoo! Welcome to This Real Estate Life, the Baird and Warner Lincoln Park podcast, where we highlight and showcase the different gifts and talents our agents bring to the table. Today we have one of the greatest people in our office, the, a legend, legendary person, legendary producer, and one of the nicest people I've ever met. Millie Rosenblum. Thank you both. Nice to be here with you. Um, Oh my gosh, Millie, we are so happy to have you here. I am, I don't even know, how do you introduce Millie Rosenblum on a podcast? I mean, the intro alone could be half of the episode. Um, You truly are an icon in real estate and a wonderful person, like John said too. We love having you in the office. Um, you know, how many times I've run into you in the kitchen or heard you talk to other agents and you give them advice. It's just really great to have you as a part of our culture, but you're also quite accomplished in the industry and across the city of Chicago, you know, just a couple of accomplishments, um, most recently, which we'll talk about later is, uh, in 2021, you and your team closed over a hundred million dollars in volume, which is absolutely incredible. You're the number one agent in the entire company of Baird and Warner. Um, you have been inducted into the Chicago Association of Realtor Hall of Fame. You were the third ever woman president of CAR. Um, you've been voted by your peers to be Realtor of the Year multiple times. Um, and that's just a few and we're barely scratching the surface. So I just wanna say thank you so much for being here. We're gonna actually let you share about your background, why you got your license, how you got into real estate, and a little bit of what that journey has been like to get to Baird and Warner and to get to where you are today. Okay. All right. So when I, there are two things I wanted to do when I grew up, as my mother would say. Um, I, my first love was to be a trader at the Mercantile, honestly, because I mm-hmm. loved the pace of it and I had friends that were there. But at that time that I started my my career, there weren't many women down there. So my closest friend who was very successful at it told me that I really should reconsider that maybe because of the longevity of what he thought trading would become. And he was right. Um, But also the fact that I was a woman and I was small and it's pretty crazy down there or whatever. (laughs) My reason for that is I'm very intuitive and I can respond quickly. And if you ever watch the people at the Merck on on the floor, that's really what it was all about, you know, and, and I liked it. I found that very exciting. So I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> my next love was I like real estate and I, and I liked real estate because I, I was raising a house, um, a home that my mother and father would buy and fix up homes and sell them as a second career. My mother was a entrepreneur herself and owning beauty salons. And my father was a Chicago policeman. So in order to have extra money, they would buy these homes and we would move in and, and they would fix them up and we'd move out. So I was around real estate a long time and we always used this one real estate agent for all the years I remember as a child. Yeah. And I liked the idea of creating and, and value like my father 
did when he did his build out or whatever he added, whether it was building out the lower level and making bedrooms or bathrooms or the yard or whatever he was doing, um, it added value. Mm -hmm. And the other things that I liked about it was there was um, no cap to what I could make in income. Sure. I mean, I, I didn't have to be a salaried person. I was motivated by my own energy and desire to be wealthy. Um, and and the reason I wanted to to be very successful, there are many reasons, but one is is to help people, help family, and and give back, and and just um, make as much as I wanted to make for whatever I wanted to spend it on. Uh, and I liked that. I, I wasn't capped by anyone. I, and it was right. an independent position where I could work the hours that, and it wasn't about how many hours it worked. It's just the independence of it. And then it was. It came down to once I started understanding how much. I really can influence somebody's life and protect yeah. somebody that you don't get in, in a, a regular job or a 95 job. And I don't, I don't even know what else I would have done if it wasn't real estate. <laughs> um, I can't even, when I look back now, I can't say like my husband's an attorney or a retired judge at this time. There was nothing else that I see now that still intrigues me. I still to this day love what I do and I've gotten better and better at it. And I, and I, my gratification comes from the help and, and the return that I get from the people that appreciate. So I don't want to go off into this on this one question. So that's my definition. That's fantastic. That's so great. No, and you're right. It is very rewarding to get to help people. And the number of people you've been able to help over your career is astounding. I know you were originally launched your career at Habitat. Is that correct? And you were there, yes. built, built that up first and then sold it to Baird and Warner? Yes. What happened is when I got out of school, I applied. Uh, for a position at, Bear, uh, uh, Habitat, but I didn't get it because I didn't have any previous experience. So I found this little firm uh, called Rooney and Company. Two brothers owned it, and I went to work for them six months. For six months, and unfortunately, they lost the business. The market got pretty tough, and yeah. they closed the doors. But when they did that, also they had four different buildings that they lost back back to the bank, uh, which is sad. But um, after I then went to Habitat again, I got hired. Um, I then, after being hired as an agent at Habitat Brokerage, I decided to contact the two lenders that had the, the buildings that they lost. And that really started my REO, uh, my real estate-owned properties. So I represented you know, LaSalle Bank and, and First Chicago and, and, and a lot of the other banks around the city on their REO department. So I did real estate owned properties probably for about four years. And yeah. I loved that too. So it was something different. It was also, you know, it was a different kind of clientele. I mean, you were dealing with an institution versus an individual and they were pretty tough, but I liked that. I mean, yeah. so, so I did that and I did it well. Um, so from that, then after that, I just worked my way up the ladder and I became partners with Dan Levin and, um, on the real estate department and I grew it to 120 agents, but that was back right at 07 where I could see that the market was changing. Yeah. I could see by, by being the owner of the company, I saw credit reports. I saw people that were struggling and 25% of our business at that time were development. And I realized that if they, those agents didn't get out on the street and do what I call pounding the pavement at regular <laughs> real estate, it could be in trouble. So Absolutely. they were motivated by doing it. 
is totally different than sitting on site in an open house and having people come to you versus picking up the phone and doing open houses. It's totally different. So I decided that in November of 07, I approached Dan and I said, I really don't want to own it anymore. Do you want to buy it? And he said, I don't want it without you running it. And I said, okay. Talked to a few companies and we chose Baron Warner only because the main thing was privately owned like we were, had a good market share in the area that I worked and a lot of my agents worked, just seemed to be a good fit. So within two, four weeks, Baron Warner bought us. And then I started here and I've been here ever since. And um, I don't look, you know, I get approached, but not all about the money at times. And you get 10% more or whatever you want to get more, but it's a, it's a, it's a company I'm proud to be with. I like their market share and um, I like being here. We like having you here. <laughs> Thanks. So you've gotten to do a little bit of everything, Millie. You, you do the residential real estate sales, working with individuals and families, buying homes. You've done developments. You've done the REO. Do you have a favorite, um, a favorite, favorite part of the business or, you know, just, just kind of like love it all because it gives you a chance to learn something different and learn new skills and, and keeps it exciting for you too, not doing the same thing every day. Um, I go through cycles and, and each one of those were cycles that I went through and I learned a lot from it. So as long as I continue to, to learn, I tend to love wherever I happen to be at that time. So when I did the REO, I found it challenging and I found it working with the bankers to be interesting, tough. I mean, they, they, it was a number. I had to get the number and I had to do it, whatever. So, so, but I liked that challenge and it was different than, than the handholding that you did when you did the regular real estate. So I liked that for the period of time. And then I did a lot of apartment buildings uh, and I liked that for the numbers. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to run the numbers. I like to look at that on a different reason that, that the investors would buy it. Um, I worked with developers. I did high rises. I did townhomes with them to help price them, help design the floor plans, help pick the finishes. I just like things that I can continue to grow. Uh, and now I'm back doing, I can't say just regular real estate because I don't know what's regular and what's not. Regular. <laughs> How do you define that? Just, I'm just at a different point now in my career. And I do all price points. I get, you know, I can be, you know, 400 up to 10 million, 12 million. I get the kids, I get the cousins, I get whatever, and I want them all. And they, they don't get treated any differently. You know, they're yeah. and I'm probably more protective of the younger group and, and, and more um, opinionated about the property because I hope sure. they get the sale when they're ready because they're my move up buyer. So this sure. is why I have the longevity that I have in the career. Um, people keep coming back. Yeah, if you get them at the beginning of their home buying cycle, you get to see them throughout the whole process. Mm-hmm. How did you build your business in the beginning? Going back to the beginning, like what what did you do to start to grow that database? The basic stuff that I tell the agents in our office today. Okay, when I'm talking to them and I, I tell them if I was starting again today, I would do as many open houses as I possibly could get. And I do two in a day and I do the whole weekend. And they'll say, well, how can you do that? You'll have a buyer. It's all about just controlling your schedule yourself. You can take the buyer out in the morning. You can take the buyer out at the end of the day. You can make it all work. Yeah. And, and I like the open houses a lot because truly 
there, there are true buyers out there. They might be a little early in some case. So you have to have the financial ability to hang on for three, six months because they're just educating themselves. Okay. But they're there. And, and if you follow up with them, um, there's a good likelihood you can pick them up as a client. So I believe in basic open houses. And I did some marketing and um, postcards and, and things like that. I wasn't big on hangers on doors and any of that stuff, but I did have, um, I developed a sphere and I grew, you know, that sphere. And some people will say, well, I don't know a lot of people. Well, you don't, but if you sit down and you stop and think about who did you go to school with and who's here in town, who does your hair, where's where's the cleaner? I mean, you can sit down and make a good list. And then when you make that list, you really need to work that list on a consistent basis and add value. Why they want to take the time in a day and talk to and whether that's information about whatever's going on in the industry or whether they it's time to refinance their property or have they protested their taxes, whatever you think you can add that'll help them. And in return, they become closer to you. And are you regularly picking up the phone and, and calling through your database or do you rely on more passive strategies? Oh, I call, I, I call, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm on the phone. I, I would say once a week, I'm making for sure 10 calls. Yeah. In addition to all of the other things I do. Even at this stage of doing, you know, 100 million, I still make my calls. In fact, I have my list. So I do make my calls. And then sometimes I'll make a note because this morning there were two other people I thought of that I need, needed to call other than what's on my list. Right. Because I think maybe it's time to give a sell. Or just checking in with them, whatever. Trying yeah, true to, method keeps working no matter how long you've been in no, the business. Right. It's nothing fancy about this. Yeah. I mean, what's different today than, than when I started, there's a lot of things different, but the, the marketing materials are, are much better now. And you have to have good marketing materials. You have to tell your story. And you can't have a, a big yeah, a big package of story because people are only going to read the first couple of lines or whatever. Yeah. So the marketing materials are really important and, and the ability to have, you know, a buyer's, a buyer's guide, a seller's guide and, 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 and touch base with your sphere on holidays and things like that through mail, but also through phone calls. Sure. And I, I don't know how easy this is to answer, but a question I just had is you have a very specific brand. The Millie Rosen Room brand is very, very specific. How long did it take you to develop that? And was that like super intentional or did it just kind of happen over time? I think it kind of happened over time as I grew. So as yeah. I grew and became a style and more confident with who I am and what I became as, as who I am today, meaning even how I carry myself, my clothes, my attitude, how I speak to people. I'm kind because I, I want to be kind to people. Right. I think that that whole style grew over the years. And, and as it grew and the more confident I became, the more people wanted to listen to me, the more people, you know, my, my newsletter, my Instagram is all about um, what does Millie think about this? Uh, what is Millie yeah. doing? Where does Millie go to eat? You know, it comes down to actual market, what they think of the market, the location, what, what do I think about what's happening down to, you know, what about my dogs and what about the food I like to eat? So. It's the style that grew as I grew and became more who I am today. Absolutely. And by the way, your Instagram lately is, is killing it. 
It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good. I love I'm it. so proud of where we are today. And today we just got our new um, buyer's uh, brochure, which is gorgeous. We just finished um, our listing presentation. So that's in print. We're redoing our website. And again, it was just like, how did it happen? I changed. I didn't want a lot of color and stuff like that. Yeah. I went with black and red now. I, no, I went with white and red, excuse me. So, so. It, as I change, my, my business changes. People tend to want to hang around. And, that's and my a, confidence. Like if I'll tell you, you know, I, I sometimes I'll ask permission. You know, some people come out of a show and they'll say, I love this house. And I, uh, there's a lot of things I could do going with this house. So I'll ask permission. Can I give you my opinion? And I always tell them, you're the boss in the end. I'm just going to give you the years of experience of what I see maybe being a problem here. And then they listen, and then all of a sudden I'll get an email back and say, thanks for your expertise. They hadn't thought about it. Yeah. So, and that came with years of doing things and me, you know, seeing it, knowing it. So yeah, group over a period of time. Yeah, that's one of the many benefits that your clients do get from working with you is all of the experience that you do have and being able to, not afraid to be honest with them and say, right. I understand that you know, first glance, you like this, but here are some things, if you're open to hearing what I have to say, <laughs> that might right. be an issue with the home. Right. I always ask permission because I don't want to assume. Of course, sure. they don't say no, they want to hear. And yeah. they and, and they think about it. I'm trying to picture like a new to the business Millie Rosenblum and what that looked like. Cause I can only picture you as like the super confident, super successful person right off the bat. <laughs> What's, wonder, yeah. what's your advice for like, I guess a new agent who's struggling with kind of imposter syndrome, not having that experience to draw from, how do you get to a point where you can be confident and like know what you're doing? How do you fake it till you make it? You have to be tenacious. If you're not tenacious, you have to be confident with yourself. Yeah. You have to feel good about yourself. If you don't feel good about yourself, if you're questioning yourself, you're never going to be able to sell yourself. You're never going to be able to sell it and, and, and build uh, because you have to wake up. You have to like Millie. You have to like whoever you sure. are. Yeah. Um, so you have to do that. Whether you do that by, by whatever makes you do it. Like I found that what made me stronger just to keep going because it's, it's sometimes it's a lot of... Um, in the beginning, and even now, you get a lot. It doesn't always work the way you want it to. Right. So you have to find whatever relief you can get from whatever you did. I was a runner for years. I get on my uh, outside on my earphones, and I'd li listen to Whitney Houston year after year, whatever, <laughs> and I'd run like a son of a gun. But I'd come back feeling really good about yeah. the run and strong and ready to get dressed. And, and, and I always, I'm a, an office person. I like getting dressed up and I like coming in the office and being in the office. Some people like to work at home. It's just what your personality is. I like, you know, putting my makeup on. I like getting dressed nicely. It makes me feel good. Right. So, so it's, I think you have to find out what works for you. Mm -hmm. um, and it can work the other way. You can work at home if that works for you and you can stay focused and, and like it, that's fine. I like being around the people. So that's, and I like going to the coffee area and saying hi to everybody. Yeah. And I remember I had a mentor and I think that because she was such a great mentor and gave me so much time, I give to people now. I mean, even other agents from other companies will call me up and I can think of one in particular, Alex. 
came in. He spent 45 minutes. He took absolutely incredible notes. And he said to me, well, how do I repay you? I said, well, you can sell one of my listings. You want to sell one of my listings? He did it. He He did did it (laughs) in the first couple of months. That's incredible. But I remember when I needed help, and I still do that. I'll still call and I'll ask permission to pick your brain. If I need more data, I'm a data person. Mm-hmm. I, I, I need data in order to know where to go with whatever I'm working on. And I'll ask permission of an agent. I think I'm probably the only one that does this and still gets the agents to talk to me. I need to know more than what I see on paper. And right. so I'll ask you a few minutes and ask you a few questions. But you have to be comfortable enough and confident enough to do that. That comes with time and age. Sure. Yeah. Well, and to your point too, about being at the office, we are very lucky that our office has this culture of agents all, you know, wanting to help each other out. Um, you know, right. you are certainly somebody that agents look to for advice and inspiration. And, and we have a lot of agents like that. And you can't get that when you're at home, no matter how, you know, right. easy the transition to virtual everything has been because of COVID. Um, right. There's a benefit and our new agents who come in definitely get that benefit as well. And your atmosphere. I mean, we have a great atmosphere. I love coming to the office. I like the people in the office. Um, I'm comfortable with them and I like our staff and I like the people you recruit. So I want to be here. Right. Absolutely. Millie, so you already touched on a little bit in ways that the industry has changed since you began. Can you kind of expand on that? What are some different ways that the real estate industry has changed since you started? And whether you think it's gotten easier or harder to be an agent or just different? Well, this is gonna date me, which I don't like doing. (laughs) 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 Because I don't feel anywhere near the age I am. Anyway, um, when I started, we had books. We had the old fashioned books. You had the listings, I had it in the book. You needed me because I had access to your next house different today um when i remember i became the third woman president in 118 years i said embrace what's what's happening now don't be afraid of all the technology don't be afraid of what's happening with the mls and people having access to it it's totally different because well technology is different we do things differently and our zoom call is one of the examples but so technology has changed the services that we deliver have changed drastically. It's not just about getting the information from me and you have to like me because I have the book. It's because by the time you come to me, you're so well-educated. Sometimes you're faster than I am getting you things <laughs> crazy because um, I like to be getting it to them before I see that email. But it, they're online, they're educated. And I like that. I, mm-hmm. I, our services are totally different now. They know what's out there. They think that they like it. Our job is to... Make sure that it's right for them and that they understand what they're getting, protect them as far as the quality of the building and the financials of the building. Things just, just are different. And it's a lot of it is technology. Yeah. Are you someone who tries to get on board with technology as soon as possible? Or is it more like you want to, you're going to keep doing it the same way until the technology proves that you need to change? No way. <laughs> I want to get on right away. I, and, and if I don't get it, my people will help me get it. Yeah. Um, I just, I want it right away. I, the more I learn, the more I like it. I love that. And clearly that's worked for you. You're a testament to how staying on top of technologies is useful. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. People, people 
people want to be, um, you have to, you have to embrace it. If you're afraid of it, you're going to, you're going to lose your position. You're going to be behind. Right. And it, it seems like it's changing so fast too, the these days, but even like with your, you know, Instagram handle or your website, that video you have on the background of your website, it's just fun to sit there and watch it. It's such a beautiful yeah. website. Um, but yeah, you really have shown us how you can just, just have to not be afraid of it. Just embrace the change. It's really good advice. Right. What do you think the key to setting yourself apart as an agent is? Because, you know, the market's flush with real estate agents. How do you make sure you set yourself apart? I create an experience that's really special. And I make sure that I do. And I work if I, if it's not, I'm very intuitive so I can feel it. Um, I have good rapport with my, my clients. And I think that's important. Um, and, and I think that's, and I'm, I think that's really what makes me different is the rapport that I develop. The, the, I mean, if you look at my reviews, they, they say the experience, it makes me feel so good. So it yeah. even makes me want to do more of it. So I create the experience, the trust, and I protect them. And I'm not afraid to say, I'm worried about this. Maybe you should maybe not do this or whatever. Um, and I'm a data person. I, when I, I'm good on getting price reductions. If I really believe that this is gonna <laughs> sit and you're gonna be unhappy, then instead of saying, you know, let's reduce it, I give you the data first and then I go for the reduction. And, and another thing that I, I have a saying, um, I don't like negativity at all. And I don't take a listing thinking I can't sell it because if I do that, I shouldn't have that listing. I got to right. believe. So if somebody tells me we're never going to sell this, I'm going to say, I don't want to hear that because I really believe that we can sell it. And, and honestly, if, if you don't, if, if I believe I can't sell it, then what do I have the listing for? I don't want right. that. <laughs> what am I doing? So I got to keep believing and I don't want anybody to take that away from me. So sometimes I'll say, whoa, hold up. Just let me keep going. You know, I don't want to have you keep thinking I can't do this. That's such a great be afraid to say that to somebody, but I'm not. I mean, if I, I need to believe in order to do my job. Absolutely. I take my job seriously. That's even going back to how you kept that confidence in yourself. Like you have to believe in yourself. Yeah. Millie, you guys had an amazing year. I mean, you always are, you know, top of the industry and sales in Chicago here. Uh, but 100 million in sales volume in 2021 is an incredible accomplishment. Uh, first agent at Baird Warner to ever do it. Um, oh, 200 you know, years. 200 years, yeah. We've been around for 166 years, and here comes Millie breaking records. Breaking it's, not, record. it's not like you had a 20 person team. You have a very no, small but wonderful team around team. you. Could you talk a little bit about? you know, how you've approached growing your business you know, over the years and what you think really made a difference last year if you achieve, achieve such an incredible accomplishment? Um, after we sold Baird and Warner to, uh, excuse me, sold Habitat to Baird and Warner, I no longer wanted um, 120 people around me or, or staff and stuff like that. I like being small like I am. And I like having, my team is incredible. I, I, I have three people and, and one's part-time. So um, Jenny's been with me 15 years and um, Maris is go, going on her third year and Dan's in his second year. Um, so I think it, I really have 
a pristine, dedicated group of people around me that work, have the same work ethic we, that I have. We have fun. We work. And when I hire them, I tell them, you're going to work really, really hard. You're going to laugh and you're going to have fun. And it's true. Um, and I love it. I love it too. And, and Dan and I and pricing, we play games. I mean, uh, he's really good at it. So he's, you know, so now we're at the time where we put on our on the sticky what we think it's going to sell for or what we should list really <laughs> what it's going to list for. And he's almost right there with me. I mean, so that came with understanding how I drill down and look at what I'm seeing too. Yeah. Um, and just working and being together. You know how, how that makes my day so much easier when I know what he's giving me and the data that he gives, uh, we can come up with a price that's going to sell the property. Sure. And then Meredith, you know, she's my transaction manager and she's, she's a drill sergeant. I'm making sure that those contracts are in order and everything is done in time um, and documents are in. My fallout on a contract is almost nil. I don't, if I did it on a contract, I'm not losing it. <laughs> That's so, incredible. So it is. It's really, I don't, I, I don't like losing contracts. So I stay involved in my team all the way through to the end. And we want to make sure we get the documents that we're supposed to get to the people that we're supposed to, the attorneys are getting them, the lenders getting done, Meredith follows through and she, you know, and Jenny, Jenny has been with me going on her 16th year. She's, you know, she's part-time because she's a mom of three kids. Um, she's, she and Meredith work on the marketing and, and keeping the files organized. It's a, it's a very, very well organized ship that we run over there. It really is. Mm -hmm. So, and we have fun and we have lunch periodically and we, not that we don't, now, do you add new lead generation strategies to your business plan every year? Or are you really kind of still focusing on some of those core activities like picking up the phone and connecting with your database? Every year we look at what we did and what we'd like to change. Okay. And mm -hmm. what's producing, what's not producing. There are some lead generating um, tools out there that it's not what it used to be years ago. And I'm not going to get into naming what, because I don't think it's going to but what, you know, there used to be, a, um, and I still am with this vendor that I'd make a lot of money off of. The margins are thinner because how they're doing their business has changed. But I still, I still think it's important to keep that because people go to this entity to check on properties. I want to make sure that they see their listing. So I do things for a reason. We do the, the down and dirty, you know, where the business come from, how much are buyers, how much are sellers, what's lead generating, what worked, what economically made sense, what did we lose? Very seldom lose on it, but sometimes we don't make on it. Um, so, so we're all part of it. And they're all vocal, and and I I have the ability to have them at a point where they're comfortable enough to say something to me. You know, maybe I wouldn't do it that way, or maybe we would do this or whatever. And I don't I don't have any problem with that. Oh, that's great! A real like team approach. Everyone kind of coming together to brainstorm the best way for the team to be successful. And they really want to do that. I mean, it's not like they come in here knowing they have to do the job, stay here to relax and leave. That's not the atmosphere in my office at all. Right. No, it seems very, very collaborative. And we laugh sometimes. You'll hear us laughing like crazy. Absolutely. So. <laughs> and you have great holiday decorations too. All the time. <laughs> Wait till you see what's coming this week on Friday. Oh, all right. Well, I'll be I'll be in tomorrow. I'm gonna check it out. Oh, all right. Good. Good. <laughs> can't wait well that must I mean is it was it difficult for you to trust your business with a team because again it's you're very specifically branded was it hard for you or 
is, is it just about finding the right people that you know, you know, aren't going to let you down? In the beginning, it was hard. It was going to yeah. be, you know, I wanted to do it my way, you know, and so it's hard to, to have the trust and, and to know that if I walked away from the deal and was busy doing something else, that deal was going to be okay. It's yeah. just getting to a point where you have the right people around you. Right. Um, and I've had a couple of, you know, I've had a couple, well, four years I had Mike with me. I mean, I have, we had, had a good run. I don't want to jinx it right now. I've got That's great. Best, yeah. um, so, no, the more comfortable you get and the more, more you trust the individuals, I'm okay. But no, I don't have to be the one that has the last say. That's beautiful. Because they have to feel good. If they, they have to feel good about what they're doing. They have to know that their, their voice is important. And that is. Yeah. That's really, really great. That. Um, what are some of your goals? So you're always growing. I don't even know how you could have a goal to grow more because <laughs> you've already done so much. But what are some of your goals in the next few years for your business? I wish I could tell you that I have this big, big plan that I do every year, but I don't. Yeah. Just go and do it. And, 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 and I... You know, the one thing I do plan, I don't like set a goal every year and I haven't done that in a long time, but every year I do look at the marketing materials and I look at how we're doing things. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't really say I'm going to make this amount of money. It just, right. it comes as I do. I think what I'm supposed to be doing and it's working. Clearly it's um, working. <laughs> and I understand like uh, I pay attention to, I'm a data person back to the data stuff. Right. Like when Lauren gives me the, the data on who's opening my my um, newsletter, how many times are they looking at it, who's not opening it. I look at that and I want to know how do I get the ones that don't open it to get to open it? Yeah. And then how do I look at the articles that people are going back and reading more than once? So what do they like of that? That's telling me what they want to hear more of. And then Lauren and I plan in the next, um, Meredith works really well with that, Lauren and, and Lara. Uh, mm -hmm. to to know what we what we have to give more of uh, what they're looking for and that's why it's so I mean the technology is another cool thing I could tell who's on my uh, my newsletter and how many times and how long do they stay and how will they click through my newsletter is double the industry on on click throughs and open rate and all of that so wow, wow. pretty good that's fantastic that's really impressive so that kind of stuff I pay attention and plan for not so sure. much that, did I think I was going to do 100? Well, I did 80 the year before. So did I want to grow? Sure, I did. Of course. What, I, what helped me, um, I had some bigger ticket items. And mm -hmm. that as you have that happen, um, the number gets bigger. It's now really we have an inventory problem. So, so yeah. we're, we're at a time right now where I've got a lot of buyers and less inventory. But I think we did six deals this month that we wrote. So... So I had enough inventory to find you. You're making it work. Yeah, I'm making Absolutely. it work. I know, Millie. You know, you mentioned um, that your your team and you focus on across different price points and different property types. Right. You don't just focus on one niche or another, but you do uh, do a lot of luxury real estate as well. Is that something that you always wanted to do from the beginning, or is that just kind of like the natural progression based on who you know and as they've continued to develop wealth? over their lifetimes as well. One of my goals was, I live in Lincoln Park. I've been in Lincoln Park for a while. So one of my goals was to be the queen of Lincoln Park and do a lot of the houses. 
Um, yeah. And so I did work hard to be able to get on listing appointments for single family homes. Um, and that was important to me and I like that. And I have, um, I like, I just like the houses. I like the people. I like having yeah. the market share in that neighborhood. But again, I like helping the, the kids and the cousins too. So, so, it's, so it just happened that yeah, as, it happened. It grows because they get older and they buy more expensive properties, and then I get the listing and the and the sale. And that's why I'm I saying the buyer and I get the sale. Well, I feel like it kind of it's it's all kind of works together because as they grow, you also grow as a professional, become more knowledgeable, more experienced, which probably right. also helps build that trust for these luxury homeowners to want to hire you specifically to help them buy or sell. And one of the challenges I had was getting the the listings, the luxury listings, is I don't have kids. I have two dogs. Well, I had two dogs. So I wasn't in, in the schools where some of my competitors had kids and they're attending the school meetings and everything else. So they're more visible. So that's where I lost some of it for a while because it wasn't out there as much. So I had to concentrate on how and where I did the marketing to the demographic of that bigger house. So they knew that there was another option. Sure. So there's challenges. It's not like it's every day, you know, I realized I was losing my market share. So I remember doing a, a, um, a parents to parents night at DePaul University. So what I did instead of having the, the heads of the schools come, I did private and I did um, public. I did Lane and Burley and Latin and Val and I did British school, Ashiamet. So, and I took, I made it really professional. I took the hall at, at DePaul University and we had the parents coming from those schools talking about why they like the schools and what they look for at the school and how the school can be better by their participation. And then I also brought in a woman that helped, she's a counselor and she's well known um, to help you find the appropriate schools for your kids based on the school, your kids' personality. So I had really good resources and how to help a kid uh, get into a school if they had any disabilities and what was available. So I, I, again, I'm down to giving data or information that helps the parent. It was really successful. I had a great turnout. And I think the one thing um, that was really important that I remember was how, how the parents said, if you didn't give your time to the school, the school wasn't gonna be successful. Right. Um, and, and because they needed your input. So they were people dedicated to what the kids during, did during the day. I, it was a really great event. What a cool idea. Brilliant. Yeah. I just, in the school system in Chicago can be a little, it can be a lot more than a little confusing, especially <laughs> for a new parent. So what a great resource and value add you were giving to the community. Right. So I think about things if I, if I don't have the kids and I can't rent your kids, you, then, then I have to figure out how am I going to get the fun of the the property owners and you did it that's so that's i mean i'm so i'm just so impressed with your tenacity overall and like how introspective you are and how aware you are of your business i mean it's it's really incredible thanks you're welcome <laughs> um i'm so you've done i'm millions of real estate transactions are there any that have stood out to you more than others like do you have mm -hmm. any one story that you really love mm -hmm. I have to tell you this story. Yes. Okay. So 
again, I'm a listener and I'm tenacious and I pay attention to what I'm hearing and what I'm out and about. So I went through the period where I was doing the apartment buildings, a lot of apartment buildings. And, mm -hmm. and I like that because of the numbers and different kind of buyer and seller. And it was fun. Um, and I remember I was showing a property on, on the corner of Armitage and Clark, a, a rental property. And that rental property was on the market for sale. And I remember talking with the manager about how sad it is for the tenants that are in the building because they're going to lose their parking. And I said, well, where do they park? And she said, Lutheran General Hospital. So I said, oh, she said, why? I said, why? She said, they want to sell the hospital. So I immediately contacted the attorney at the hospital and I was in bidding wars and I wound up selling the five acre parcel on Armitage and Lincoln. The story even gets better yet, the late. <laughs> so, so I sold Lutheran uh, General Hospital. No, what did I tell you? Augustana Hospital. Augustana Hospital on the corner, five acres. That now is called the point. So I sold it to a developer and um, it was quite exciting. And that yeah. was bitty wars, the whole thing. And then I wound up on the front page of the cranes. Oh, cool. So from being on the front page of cranes, I walked into the East Bank Club one morning at six o'clock and I walked in the white room and up came this gentleman and he said to me, are you Millie Rosenblum? And I said, yes, I am. He said, I'm John Simon. And I said, are you in real estate? And he said, no, said, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I said, are you in real estate law? He says, no. And I said, that, my eyes just went the other way. That was done. So bottom line is I met my husband by being on the front page oh my God. of that craze and wound up marrying him seven years Aww, later. That's so so sweet. that's my favorite story. I can see why. That's awesome. That's so, so I did a hospital. I've done um, a golf course in Midland Country Club. I know the first oh. thing about doing a golf course, but I wasn't afraid. <laughs> and I met yeah. with the owners and, and I got all the stuff and went back downtown and I found the resource that could teach me how to sell this thing. <laughs> and I wound up in the end, not actually selling it, but I wound up bringing a partner in. So they did a joint venture together. So I'm not afraid. That seems like it's yeah. a big part of your business. It's just going for it and figuring yeah. it out. Well, you're so, encouraging. so resourceful too, yeah, you resourceful. Know, where it would be very easy to make an excuse of, Oh, I don't know how to do this. So I'll just, pass up this opportunity. I love it. You are fearless, Millie. <laughs> Absolutely. Should we do one last question and then our challenge questions, Nagin? Yeah, go for it, John. Do you have, do you have, <laughs> what do you got left there? <laughs> <laughs> the last one. And this one's really easy. Okay. What advice? And I feel like we've kind of talked about it already. Did. What advice would you give someone first starting out in real estate today? Simple advice down and dirty, go back to the basics. Do those open houses. There's no magic to this. Make that relationship, make your sphere list, get on the phone. Um, I'm not a door person, so I don't believe in all that stuff. I think it's a relationship-based business and that's how you make it. Go to, go to different meetings. I believe that, um, it's so funny, Tommy Choi is, is out in the industry. Tommy, mm -hmm met with me also and asked for advice. And I said, you need to get on the board. Tommy became the president of the association in time. So, so get back and be around people and you know, go to different events and open houses and-, and Just jump in. Tenacious, and go, right. 
Be tech savvy. You have to be tech savvy. You have, but that's automatic. It's not even a thing anymore. You, you're not. You're not even in the business. <laughs> True. 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 Yeah, and, and do all those things and believe in yourself. And you could. Yourself. You could also one day be unstoppable, like Millie. <laughs> well, there's times I get frustrated. I mean, sometimes they're really tough days, and sometimes I'll leave and I'll go eat a couple of brownies. You know, so everybody has their own little thing that gives them some gratification. Um, find out what that is. Not easy. It's not. It's not easy. But I like the challenge. I don't mind the challenge. It is rewarding. It's not easy. It is it's very rewarding. Absolutely. All right. Are we ready for our challenge questions? Are you ready, Millie? Okay, go for it. Okay, first one. You may not have an opinion, but if you do, I want to know. Taylor Swift or Adele? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift over Adele? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Do you have a reason why? Just because I listen to her music more and I like it. I love it. But I'll pay attention to Adele and try to listen more. So next time we talk, I might have a different opinion. Okay, I'll check back in later. All right. Um, if... You, if you were sitting across from yourself, but 20 years ago, what advice would you give to that person? What would I, what you're asking me is what would I have done differently? I, in 20 there, years Just later. what advice, like, it could be like, don't sweat the small stuff because 20 years ago you were stressing out about stuff. You know, any, any advice you'd give yourself? Well, I have the saying that's garbage in the deal. And I'm really good at that. I mean, it's like, it, if it's if it's garbage in the deal and has no value, don't bring it in. Yeah. And, and Ooh, so, like so I say that a lot. In fact, when I negotiate on some of my deals, and some of them are tough. I mean, some, sometimes I'm up, I'm up against some pretty seasoned people, and I'm they'll sure. start with all this other stuff, and and I'll say that's really it's garbage in the deal. But <laughs> you know, it's like whatever their tactic is, I don't. I have a different tactic. I don't tear properties apart in order to get the price I need to get. So yeah. that's something I don't like. If the property was so awful, why'd you show it and why are you writing this offer on it? Right. Right. So tell me other things. Give me the data you use to justify the price. And I'll come back and give you the data I use. So if you start with, oh, this is terrible and this is this, then why are you buying it? Why are you trying <laughs> to kind of sell it? So yeah. I don't, that's that's good. I've gotten better at, at saying that now than I did 20 years ago. Yeah. And that, again, comes with confidence and experience. And respect that I do have, even from my competitors. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we are competitors, but I, I like a lot of them a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's good. There's, you know, there's enough room. There's enough deals for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you don't get every listing. Don't be disappointed if you don't get a listing. I don't get every listing. Um, so do I sell mostly everything I get? Yes, but you don't get them all. Yeah. I remember I always went to Lincoln Park listings and I walked into the house and my God, I hope I get this listing. Then there was a time when Lincoln Park was dead and I would walk up hoping I can sell this listing. <laughs> I mean, so there's <laughs> different times of the market that make you successful or give you a challenge. Yeah. But that's honestly the truth. I, I honestly stood one day out in front of a house in Lincoln Park thinking, I remember the day when I wanted this listing and any of them. Now I just hope to God the market was so soft that I'll be able to sell it. Yikes. Wow. That's so funny. 
Millie, I know, I think I can speak for John when I say we could talk to you for hours, but you probably have some real estate to go sell or some phone calls to make. So before <laughs> we wrap up, um, we always like to you know, share the best way for people to reach our guests. So if somebody either wants to talk to you about selling real estate or maybe one of our agents has a question, what's the best way for, they, for them to contact you? 312-607-5882. Myself. That's her. That is Millie's cell. We will put it into the show notes. Millie, thank you so much for your time. This was was fun. Thank you very much. Have a good rest of your day, Millie. You too. Bye Bye. now.